Alrighty, righty everybody. Is everybody all excited about their Labor Day weekend? I am excited. Are I'm you going excited? Home. You're going yeah. home. So you say, okay, you're in West Virginia. Yes. And then you drive school. to Virginia proper home. Mm-hmm. And that's eight hours. Yes. That's like driving from L.A. almost to San Francisco. Yeah. Only in our case, that would be 15 hours. If you're hauling ass. Yeah. On the with five. the traffic, you mean without yeah, no, with without traffic. without traffic? Okay. Without traffic. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> so it's eight hours without traffic. Yeah, if you don't hit traffic leaving L.A., there's a zombie apocalypse, and, and someone's no traffic cleared in all San the tra- cars away. <laughs> yeah. Then yes, I think it's eight hours. Yeah, we haven't been to San Francisco in a long time. We should go. We should go or at least drive up PCH. Have yeah, we Bay could, area, all we that could take of. the truck up and drive up the coast. Yeah, wear flannel shirts and grow out our beers. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we have a fun topic. Uh, I think I picked this topic. So if anybody is like, what is this topic? It's so dumb. It's my idea. So, and, and I'm making Andre and Ian do it with me. So, because we're trying to do things not just like our favorite movie. In case you didn't watch that movie yet, you're not going to like listen to that podcast. Andre and I were talking about, hey, let's do theme stuff and we've done a couple of those and today's topic is stories that changed our lives and we're not trying to be dramatic bitches <laughs> what, the, what that means is the first time you saw something that kind of maybe you spun you off in a different trajectory or made you think about the world a different way or yourself a different way or just something in your environment changed because of that TV show or book or film or poem or or it could even be a fashion trend, really, because those are stories. I think fashion are stories as well. Visual story. No, no, they're all visual storytelling. That's movies. Yeah, that's movies. (laughs) So whatever. So who wants to go first? Who wants to say what's the very first thing that you remember seeing and going, oh shit, the world's like that. You want to go first, Andre? Uh, sure, I guess. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, so I was, when you, when you sort of brought up the idea of talking about it, I had to like rack my brain a bit because I was like, changed my life, <laughs> like my whole journey, my trajectory, as you say. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if it, in the grand scheme of things, the, these things sort of changed my life, but they did, I, they're definitely like bookmarks in sort of my life and how they, they made me like think of certain things different way. Yeah. And so, and this first one will, will come as a shock to no one. Um, but Harry Potter, the Harry Potter movies and Harry Potter books. Um, I'm obviously not the only one to talk about how it's changed my life, but I feel like it's changed my life in, in a unique way in the fact that these were the movies that I distinctly remember that made me interested in the process of filmmaking. Oh, Because, you know, like the DVD sets would always come with like that second disc with the bonus features and the behind the scenes. And I would watch that shit constantly because to me, like when I was younger, the thought of putting all of that together, I just wanted to know like how, how it came to be. Um, specifically like visual effects, like how do they do that? Like, and it still blows my mind. Like, um, I bought like a trial version of like Adobe after effects and I was trying, I like tried to like replicate some of the visual effects to no avail, but it also like opened up 
sort of, I guess, my the way I think about like filmmaking because it really is just a a million moving parts, right? Right. And it's kind of a, it's a kind of it's kind of amazing how fast we put these things out. Anyway, I know, right? Because yeah. I'm, you know, my old ass, you know, back when fire was invented. Yeah, I'll get to mine because I have that kind of <laughs> same. So before yeah. Harry Potter, like, were you like, were you aware that how films were made, how big a crew was, or any of that stuff? Or was it just on the no, not line? really. You just didn't really think about it. I didn't, I didn't think about it mostly because I mean, like, when the first Harry Potter movie came out. <clears throat> it's a funny story, actually. Um, on like the plane ride from Portugal to America, um, the movie was like already on like the planes because this was like 2002. Gotcha. And the movie came out a year before, and my dad was like, "Do you want to watch this movie?" And I said, "No, it looks dumb." <laughs> How old were you? I was three. 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 You remember three this at three? I don't remember this. This is the story oh. my dad told me. Oh, but I do remember going. I do remember going to see the second one in the theaters. Oh. Um, yeah, I I rem- I like have flashbacks of watching the first one for the first time. But apart from the first one, I can like remember every single Harry Potter like theater experience that I had because they all have the their own weird like kooky stories but yeah before that i i was not like cognizant of it and it was mostly because like these movies were some of the first movies i ever saw yeah yeah, at least live action you know i was watching you know like lion king you know mulan chicken run like those weird movies um but yeah and there was those were like the first movies i owned on dvd so it makes sense because again they they include like the bonus features disc and they would have like forty to an hour worth long of material where they just like go like segment by segment, and I and I just ate that shit up. Like, <laughs> I was I was like seven years old listening to like the director's commentary through the movie. Like, That's so cool. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, but in in terms of like things that are not filmmaking, um, I'm still learning learning from it today. Like especially how. Um, how the the series just handles especially when i went back and read the books how it handles like world building and that sort of stuff right and right. how to keep things consistent because the the movies aren't incredibly consistent i don't i don't mind that you know it's all an interpretation but the books are you know jk rowling wrote them over like 10 no the films took 10 years i think she was writing them for like 20 no i'm saying that wrong the first book came out like 94 was it 94 i might be i might 94, be 96 i remember i was working at cartoon network 97 when they created a buzz if only there was a thing where we could look up where this information is that's what i'm doing so right now when um, in fact the first harry potter film came the book was written by the renowned author uh, 1997. 1997 1997 see there you go hello holler yeah so my so boss, she was writing the books for 10 for 10 years and they made this, the movie for 10 years so i know this is my boss this is this incorrigible snob and she's like i'm sorry have you been reading the harry potter books the first harry potter harry potter and i just wanted to be like <laughs> cool in front of her and also couldn't stand her fucking ass so i was like yeah sure yeah harry potter it's great it's wonderful <laughs> love it yeah She's like, yeah, yeah. And the whole world that he she builds, and I'm like, yeah, the world that he built was like great. And she's like, she, I'm like, 
wasn't that guy's name Harry Potter? So I tried to pretend like I knew, <laughs> and then I went to I went out to a bar that night, and I was like to the bartender in this biker bar. I used to drink in this biker bar that was right next to my house. Mm-hmm. I said, "Do you know what this Harry Potter shit's about?" He goes, "Oh man, yeah, it's like a kids book, but it's like a thousand feet thick." thick and I started reading it. And it's like it's dope. <laughs> and so it's I would dope. go to the bar every night because he would read like during the day before his shift and he would like tell me what's in the Harry Potter book so I could go to work and own this bitch. Mm-hmm. That was my experience <laughs> with the books. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah, I, I, um, I ended up reading them after I saw. So you saw the least... films first. Did you, were you aware that there were books associated with the films? Yes, but my naive little mind thought that the movies came first and the books came second. Gotcha. They just wrote um, some books after they made a, they made a film after it. No, why not? Yeah, I, I think I saw like the first six films before I actually went and like started reading them. Um, I've read the fourth book like an ungodly amount of times. I don't know why. It's probably my favorite to read and Is the it? longest. Which one? Yeah, which I probably one was read that? it. I probably reread it like nine or ten times at this point. Isn't that the last book in the series the fourth one? No. Oh no. Last book is the seventh. Oh, yeah. that's right. Listen to me. <laughs> I can't count very good. I did go to an Alabama public school system. Everybody, so whatever. Back up. Wh- which was the f- what the fourth the fourth book? Uh, Goblet of Fire. Oh, oh okay. yeah, that one was yeah. kind of action packed. There was a lot a lot of intrigue going on. Yeah, uh, like interestingly enough, the fourth movie is like apparently everyone's least favorite. Is it? Um, it's so hard to compare them like the movies with each other and also to the books i feel like they're just not comparable mm. um i don't know that's that's just me like <laughs> but yeah it's it's me like rereading these books over and over again that i have like a freakishly encyclopedic mind when it comes to harry potter really i could literally tell you anything one time me and my roommate um we had a friend over and he said i don't uh, very much like the harry potter books you know there's a lot of plot holes in them so what we did was we stayed up until 3 a.m. And we went book by book. And he told us... Um, he told us what he thought the plot holes were. And I told him why he was wrong. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, no, no. There, there, are, there are some plot holes. But um, I don't know. It's probably... It's one of like the most, I guess, pivotal, pivotal things in my life. Even today. Like, I will still... Still go back to it. Watch the movies. Yeah, yeah. Hard. It's a it's a source of comfort for me, honestly. Like going back and like listen, um, watching the the films and reading the books. I do I that with Mr. Robot. If I'm having a bad day, I just go back and go, "Hello, friend." And then I'm like, "I'm good." I have to start there. Em for you. We know that you were raised in a bunker like Kimmy Schmidt. <laughs> um. So you didn't really have a a lot of exposure. So it was kind of few and far between for you. What What was that first? Kind yeah, of- like the first, the first, the first stories I ever heard were like fucking Bible stories and shit. Yeah. So sorry um, to all of our listeners who are believers. <laughs> um. But then I mean, fucking Bible stories and shit. By the way, this is a good time to remind you that we are not Ashland Baptist Church. No. Oh my god. <laughs> keeps happening. Yeah. Uh, keeps happening on the Instagram. We'll get a bunch of followers, and they realize we're not Ashland Baptist Church. Uh, we don't know anything about that church. I'm sure they're amazing. Um, we don't have anything against the church. So just to let you know that we are not Ashland Baptist Church. Yeah, we so. got we got tagged in a post the other day, and was we were like <laughs> it was about like the church. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I feel like the podcast part of our name kind of like 
explains that, but I guess not. <laughs> it really doesn't. Make, and then there's a band out. There's a there's a duo out there called Ashland. So we're not, we're not the band Ashland as well. So if you see the explicit warning, you read the description, you're aware you're wandering into a world of uh, probably something that maybe you're not into. Uh, please turn it off now. Uh, but do thank you for the 53 people who are currently following us on Instagram <laughs> and the 20 people who are following us on Twitter. We appreciate you. I don't care how the, what those numbers are. I love that. Thank you very I'm much. following us on Twitter. Yay, stay with us. You know, I'm not about <laughs> grabbing them big numbers. Anyway, you were saying Bible th- stories and shit. I think the first the first actual like you know, movie that that um I remember and I think I have said I we've I think we've talked about this on the the podcast, but I, I was I was a child when Return of the Jedi came out. Oh yeah. So I mean that was mm-hmm. my whole generation, um, and I and I didn't watch most of the movie because I was scared shitless. Because you know you were a little I was, kid. Yeah, I was a little kid, and I wasn't. You know, I I didn't grow up with the television. So I mean, Halloween scared me. I yeah. thought that shit was real. Yeah. So, but 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 the Star Wars um, trilogy, you know, was it? Four, five, and six. Yeah, um, that was really the beginning of the, you know, the the world of storytelling movies for me. Um, but like Andre, I mean, I mean, I grew up in L.A. and I didn't mm-hmm. know anything about how movies were made, which blows me away. Until I think I started. Until you mentioned, you know, why don't you get into production sound? And I'm like, well, what's that? He was like, what? Well, I can do that? I'm like, yeah. yeah. And I was of... like already 30. Yeah. He's so, like hated his I... job. And I was just like, you can be a sound guy. You went to school. We went to Los Angeles recording school. He goes, really? I'm, I could do that? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so when, I was, when I was younger, you know how the DVDs, they came, they came with like different audio tracks? Yeah. Like, the, like different languages? Me being young and not noticing that the overdub was not syncing with the actors' mouths, I totally thought that they filmed three different movies in different languages. Oh, wow. (laughs) I thought they shot the whole movie in English and then the whole movie in Spanish and the whole movie in French because that was the most... It just made sense to little six-year-old me. Of course that makes sense. I was like, how else do they do it? (laughs) Yeah. I probably believed something like that at one point. (laughs) So it was was like the Star Wars franchise. Yeah. But then, I mean, later on in life, I mean, there are are definite movies that were, you know, they're like my go-tos, my favorites. Which ones? Um, It would be Fight Club, American History X, and Ghost Dog. Two of those starring... Ed Norton. Ed Norton. <laughs> you know. Ghost Dog for sure. God. I mean, I can say that yes to all three of those. And I think I think Ghost Dog I really like just because of the, you know, the, the, the hip-hop element. Yeah. When Jim Jarmusch used RZA and those you know, guys yeah. and Forrest Whitaker and all that kind of stuff. God, that just, that was, and I was already into Jim Jarmusch when that happened with Stranger Than Paradise and uh, Down By Law. And then when I heard he was like working with RZA, I was like, "What? My chocolate and my peanut butter? What's happening?" Yeah, my my appreciation for Jim Jarmusch was like secondary to yeah, you the didn't hip-hop. know, and I, I came yeah. to it because of Jim Jarmusch yeah. because I was yeah. For me, and it's problematic. Like I'm living long enough in a life that everything that I grew up with is getting ruined because everybody's <laughs> a fucking monster. 
Um, the very first, because I saw a bunch of movies growing up, and we weren't raised with any kind of boundaries for television, but it was Annie Hall. It was the first film that I went to see where this world was created that I wanted to live in. I wanted to live in Woody Allen's New York. Um, everybody was neurotic, and everybody was different, and it was something I had never seen before, and I liked how Diane Keaton's character Annie dressed and thought. And I liked there was this intellectualism that I wasn't exposed to in the South, and so I wanted to look everything up he was mentioning. Like, it, it actually opened, spun me off. Take, talk about changing direction of my life. I looked up, uh, you know, um, going to an analyst, and I looked up everything I could about the Jewish, the Jews, you know, and uh, I looked up, you know, just anything he was into and mentioned in that film, the films they were watching in the movie, I would go and like seek them out. And it just, it changed the way I dressed. I had a New York accent obnoxiously for a good six months in high school or junior high, whenever, whatever it was. I think it was junior <laughs> high. Um, I was already loved being a weird, different kid. So this just made it worse. So that was, and then I, then I, it wasn't until Godfather that I became aware of, like, how did they make that? And it became because the horse head in the bed scene. I'm like, surely they didn't cut the fucking head off a horse. Shit. <laughs> you know, so I wanted to, and then I kind of got into what Scorsese was, and and I would follow a director around. Everything Woody Allen did, anything Scorsese did, which would then would take you over to indie film, which would, took me down a path of French and German and Argentinian and Spanish and Italian films. The stuff from the 70s and 70s specifically and Cassavetes, all because of Annie Hall. It just because it was like Herbie and the Love Bug and it was a lot of just like Disney fare, bed, bed knobs and broomsticks and, and those kinds of things that you would go and see. But Annie Hall just kind of it was books and literature and poetry and music. And I listened to I started listening to Rhapsody in Blue. I started listening to all of that music that he was using I was aware for the first time of a score, of a soundtrack, and I bought the the Annie Hall soundtrack. And then, of course, Star Wars. Star Wars came along, and I was just like, what the hell? How'd they make that stuff? That blew my mind. Yeah. Well, it was like, mm -hmm. like The Matrix was another one yeah. that, that changed filmmaking the way Star Wars, I think, did. Absolutely. Where it was just like people were like, Oh, fucking God. Yeah. What did I just see? So it was 1970. When was Star Wars? 1974? 77? Yeah. 77. 77. And then 1999, Matrix. Between those two points, you know, those films just totally changed the game. I think if you didn't have those films in place, you wouldn't get to the Harry Potters and stuff later. Like, it wouldn't have... Oh, I think totally. These, these yeah, things, I agree. Yeah. All of these things kind of just were there and, and kind of... Yeah. Build. But I think Star Wars is such a huge deal in, like, the three of our lives, if you think about it. You know, kind of like this, it sort of yeah. has its place in our lives. It's kind of the well, if it weren't for, like, the Star Wars model, like, that was, like, the ultimate test to see whether audiences were interested in coming back to right. see movies that had such a long arc, yeah. I think. The franchise, creating that franchise, right. Yeah. I mean, that wasn't even heard of. They're like, they're going to do another one? What, what, how, what's going to happen? Like, there's, and then you, I went expecting it to like pick up exactly where it left off, and it didn't exactly. I was like, what happened? There's a time jump. Everybody has different haircuts. What, I was, uh, uh. 
didn't even understand, but later on I did. Luke's voice dropped. <laughs> <laughs> well, I also had to live through all the horrible years where they were trying to put uh, the Star Wars cast on everything and anything, and they had a they had a a very embarrassing Wookiee special. Oh my god, the Christmas special. Yeah. I, oh my god. Those things are funny now, <laughs> but when I was a kid, they were just horrifying. So. <laughs> I think yeah. you know, if, and I'll just clip through it. Quickly, I mean, Saturday Night Fever came out. That was a big thing. A lot of us were dancing in the streets kind of deal. You know, Rocky Horror Picture Show came along, and that was the first time we had seen um, a bisexual character. I have to say, when that film came out, and I saw Tim Curry in that role, I had such a crush on Frankenfurter, and then I also had a crush on Susan Sarandon. And I was like, oh, I think I might be a little bit gay. I think I might be just... A whole lot gay. I don't know. Maybe I'm gay. Maybe I'm bi. But I kind of had a crush on a lot of people in that movie. And it was like, oh, oh, okay. And then when I would try to talk to people who were straight, they were like, that doesn't exist. You know, go get prayed over. And then other people were like, no, you know, no such thing as bisexuality. That's just weird. You're just being greedy. All the, you know, I heard that stuff a long time ago. All the dumb Mm -hmm. shit you hear now. So that was the first film I was like, oh, Oh, that film made me feel some kind of certain kind of way about things. So this was a big one. Yeah, and then for me, Fight Club. Fight Club. Big. I was in the throes. I was in Atlanta. I was doing very well. I was making a lot of money. And I was in the throes of full-blown consumerism. Because I had a lot of money at my disposal. What is this? 90? When did that film come out? 98? Something like that. And I had a lot of money. So it was like... I went to see this film at the Dollar Theater on a Saturday because it was about to go out of the theaters and everybody was raving about it. That didn't stay long in the theaters, did it? It didn't. It was was critically acclaimed and nobody saw it and then it became a cult classic much after the fact. And this is when no one knew who... Was it David Fincher who did that? David Fincher, 99. No one knew who the fuck David Fincher was or what he was capable of doing. And that film literally... I was sitting there, I had credit card debt, and I would just was a shopaholic. I was wearing two thousand dollars suits to work because I was an executive. I had very, I had like five hundred dollar pairs of shoes, about eight pairs of those in my closet. I had a, my handbags are all like three hundred dollars, three fifty. I was you know four hundred dollars. Our lunches were like wine spritzers, all this bullshit. And that movie sat there and just reached into the seat and said, "You are not your khakis." The things that you own end up owning you. We are the all singing, all dancing crap of the world. And I was like, <laughs> I had a religious conversion in the theater. Mm. I had all of the stuff that Tyler Durden, daytime Tyler Durden, had. When they go through that one segment of the film where they're cataloging everything he had purchased out of the catalog, the way they did that, I'm like, my, that's what my house looked like. It was a Pottery Barn catalog. And I just went, oh. And it totally changed me. And I, from there on out, I started like downsizing. I started thinking about myself and my life in a different way. It changed my relationships. I'm reading the book again. Nobody knows there's a book. Uh, Chuck Palahniuk, one of my favorite writers. I've been reading it. It's wonderful because they, the, the script is basically lifted from the pages of the book. It's all right there. It's mm-hmm. all beautifully done. Um, and the way he translated it to screen was gorgeous. And it just, it was a religious conversion. It was a religious, you could have seen the angels over my head. If angels had their teeth busted out and their eyes swollen shut from beating the shit out of each other, 
I went home with that over my head and was just like, I don't want to own any of this shit anymore. And it was like the, the what is the stuff that falls away from your eyes? You know, what is the, the things that fall away from your eyes? The shales, the, 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 whatever. And I just was totally awakened by that whole film. And to this day, if it's ever on TV and I walk by a TV and it's on, I, I can't not watch it. Stop and watch a little bit, yeah. That one and Big Lebowski are the two films that I will just stop and watch no matter what's going on. I will watch those films. Wherever they are in the movie, I'll just finish watching them. Yeah, that's true. Big Lebowski is like that. Yeah. It wasn't like that the first time I saw it. And then, you were like, what the fuck is a stupid movie? Then I saw it again. I was like, oh. Then it was like I, I, I became aware of like the style of the Coen brothers. Right. You kind of have to. They're the very specific you know. type of thing. You have to like And I appreciate that people don't get it. Right. What other stuff, Andre? What other? Okay, so we got Harry Potter. I agree with that one. That's groundbreaking stuff. What other storytelling stories? Doesn't have to be film or television. There's other stuff that, like, when you went, oh shit. Um. Well, <clears throat> this next one I've also talked about before. Um, I'm gonna say the the Pirates of the Caribbean movies, um, because those movies are kind of the reason why I decided that I wanted to be a film composer. Um, obviously, score written by Hans Zimmer. We all know this. We love it. Yes. Um, <laughs> we love it. It's amazing. It's fantastic. Yes. Um, regardless of how you feel about Johnny Depp. Um, <laughs> um, Maybe he'll snap yeah, out of the, it. I mean, I. this is the funny thing. I can't necessarily pinpoint what it is about the that music that made me want to be a film composer Mm -hmm. i feel like a lot of it has to do with i don't know well first of all i I really love the movies like just by themselves and then the music comes in and just enhances the the whole entire experience and i had those movies were sort of kind of like a thing between me and my dad like we would always watch them together um and I do remember, like, being in the theater for the third one and at the end, like, consciously deciding that I wanted to, to you know, make music for wow. movies. Um, and I don't know. I was just really drawn to the dramatics of it. I think I think it's what... And, I mean, I have, I have a hard time writing music that isn't, like, uber dramatic. And it's it's turned into something that I'm, I sort of have to fight, in a sense, um, to the point where anything I write... Um, for like my music classes, my composition professors will always be like, this is really good. It sounds very movie-like. I'm ah. like, it's not what I was going for, but okay. That's not a bad um, thing though, is it? It's it's totally not. It's totally not. But there are, there are definitely, I'll, I'll like, being in a composition major at school for me was less about um, like film scoring and more just like the classical side of things mm. and knowing like the theory and the techniques behind it. So I really tried to push myself to write stuff that was out like outside of my comfort zone. Um, things that I have never tried before. Um, and yeah, like it's not necessarily a bad thing. I will say though, I'm not going to name names cause I'm not leaving a paper trail here, but there is a weird attitude towards film music and academic settings, mm. um, which will probably come as a shocker to no one. Mm. Um, I really can't tell you why. It's it's because I probably don't feel that way. But um, I feel like a lot of it is because it's getting... Film music is, is... It's always been, like, you know, heavily mainstream and commercialized and whatnot. And I feel like 
ad- academic times just have like a real just like sour spot for anything <laughs> mainstream or commercial when it comes to their field of expertise. Don't know why. Mm-hmm. I mean, if it's mainstream, it's mainstream for a reason. It's it's good. Uh, <laughs> right. That's what I say every time. Um, that's like when I when someone asks me what my favorite musical is and I say Hamilton and they're like, Hamilton, really? You know. It's, uh, it's awesome. Good. It's, it's amazing. A, it's fucking why wouldn't fantastic. I, why wouldn't it be my favorite? Hello. Um, well, I mean, wasn't wasn't you know like Bach and Mozart and popular Beethoven, music? Wasn't yes, that it was. mainstream? It, yes, was. it was. And you That's know, people really used to go to, look. People used to go to Shakespeare and they didn't hold up their finger and go fon fon fon. They let the public people, the public theater, by the way, the public theater, which the original one was back in Yoldy, you know, England mm-hmm. town. London old town, you know, and they feel that they didn't like what was going on. They would boo and hiss at the characters and they would throw cabbages and shit. Like it was a rowdy ass crowd. It's like everybody was a black audience. Like if you went to see Shakespeare, everybody was like, oh, hell no. What the hell's going on with this motherfucker right here? Like everybody yelled at the stage. So I love it when people act, act highbrow about Beethoven and Bach and Tchaikovsky. And it's like, dude, the way this music was consumed in public was not everybody sitting around like with white wigs and powdered up, you know, going, oh, this is delicious. Yeah, shit was played in the church and that was as mainstream as you can get. That's right. And the church yeah. was the benefactor yeah. of all the art. So. That's a really good point. It's a really good point. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's, I don't know. I feel like the attitude toward it, toward it as well as just kind of like, it's, I guess, a simplified version of composing. And it's really not. It just, it just isn't. I just feel like if it's not John Williams, they're not interested. You know what I mean? Interesting because it feels like somebody might be like jealous of just not succeeding in life. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't Sometimes know. you get that jealousy thing, like, "Well, I didn't make it, so fuck this popular music stuff." It's like, uh huh. Well, we just raided your house, we'd find all those empty tapes and those tapes in the your basement of where you tried it and it didn't well, work. Well, you know, out. The, the the number one mistake they make is judging the music by itself, mm. which is by definition yeah. not what the music was meant to do. Yeah. Right. You can totally listen to the music by itself. It's not going to be the same experience. Right. At least. Maybe after you've seen the movie, you you kind of had that same experience because you can kind of play out, you know, what was going on in your head. But it's very, it's a lot of judging on something they don't know a whole lot about Mm. and coming at it from an angle that doesn't really make sense. It's like putting in a puzzle piece that almost fits, but not really. Um, Anyway, getting off my soapbox. Back to why (laughs) (laughs) it changed my life. I don't know. I mean, like, without these movies... It wouldn't be too too much of a stretch to say that I might not end up doing what I am now. Huh. Um, I don't know. But yeah, that's that's me. Um, I have another one, and you might <laughs> you might roll your eyes. Deadpool. At this Just kidding. Uh, We'll talk about it. We'll talk about that at the end. I'm really excited. We'll talk about that at the end. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, the Dark Knight. Okay. The movie. Yeah. Um, this was, this was interesting to me. The Dark Knight. You have to say it right. (laughs) The Dark Knight. (laughs) That's Zimmer too, right? Uh, Isn't it? That's what? It's Hans Zimmer? It is. Yeah. But it's, I wasn't actually going to talk about the music that one. Although the music for that one was also pretty influential to me as well. You mean Um, Hans Zimmer? Hans. (laughs) Am I going to be able to talk about this without? (laughs) Yes, I'll stop interrupting you, Andre. (laughs) Please continue. My parents oh, are dead. <laughs> Go. 
<laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, The Dark Knight, that was an interesting experience only because um, it was a very one-off experience. I hadn't seen like Batman Begins um, that came before it. The one thing that that's, that movie sort of changed for me was how I sort of thought about acting. Um, and yeah, obviously talking about Heath Ledger as the Joker, um, to me, I'm obviously not the only one, but to me, when I was watching it, I was just completely enthralled and I was, I'm not like a typical, I wasn't a a big Batman fan to begin with. I just thought the movies were cool. Um, but yeah, when, when Heath Ledger came on screen and to this day, I cannot see Heath Ledger past that makeup. I yeah. can't like envision him in it. Mm. It's like he's almost not even there. Um, but when I was watching it, I started paying attention to stuff like mannerisms and line delivery and all of those little things that make a great performance. And I saw it all embodied in this this one character. Mm. Um, and it, again, it also changed the way how I thought about like storytelling. And the struggle between good and evil and the protagonist and the antagonist. Like, there was just a lot of things that, that film sort of changed for me in, in the way I thought about things. But especially acting. Yeah. There was a solid month where I was considering becoming an actor because of that. Um, you like to eat, though, right? So you and yeah, I, I like to eat. <laughs> um, I like to live inside. <laughs> I mean, like, being a composer isn't any better, but. <laughs> it's true. Uh, <laughs> being a writer isn't any better either. We're all yeah. fucked. But Ian's the um, one who's going to work more than any of us. He's the sound guy. Yeah, I remember being I remember being um like so unsatisfied with how much he was in that movie to begin with. Right. Like at some point I wasn't even watching I was just get, like fast forwarding to the times Heath Ledger was on screen and that and then that was it. I can say that um, just about anything he's ever been in. I loved Ledger. He was probably one of my favorite actors. If he yeah. if he had lived um, I probably I would I showed up for anything he was in just because he was so committed to everything he did and I just loved him. That's yeah. a tragedy. That is it's just a straight up tragedy that we don't have him because it was a pure accident, I believe. But, yeah. yeah, and you know, um, Christopher Nolan has talked about how they were going to bring him back for Dark Knight Rises and how amazing that would have been. Oh, Jesus! Um, it's really yeah. It's a really it's huge, painful. That's a loss that we tragedy. still feel. I mean, I still we still feel that loss of Heath Ledger. You know what yeah. we should do? And this isn't what I want to propose. It just came to me. I think we should do a podcast called The Batmans. We should watch all of the Batman movies that have ever been made. And maybe a little bit of the Batman series if we can get our hands on it. Because I grew up with Batman on screen. So I never could get past Adam West. Oh, I watched West. the animated series. Yeah. Yeah. I watched, well, no. I watched the live action Adam West one. Oh. I remember oh, that. I, I watched that when I was a kid. Yeah. I watched that a lot. And I could never get past like the campiness of it. Like it's much funnier later. But when I was a kid, I was like, what is this shit? That's the it's the pudgy Batman. Is uh was he pudgy? I don't well, think his, Adam West he, was pudgy. No, but it wasn't like his tights were pretty funny. It wasn't like the you know the 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 the, the modern Batman where I he's just cut later and on, I just like when people like when they put nipples on the, the suit. I was like, <laughs> let's just put him back in the tights. Oh my tights. god, I know. Exactly. But you know what we should do? Is that because, the Joel Schumacher one? Joel Schumacher? No, this is the is original. The this is the original nineteen sixties seventies Batman. Like, no, was there was, was a oh. later one where they definitely put nipples yeah, on the yeah. Batsuit. That, was that Clooney's Batman or was it Val Kilmer? I think anyway. so. I think so. so. Yeah. I think we should I think we should watch all the Batmans. I think we should do the, just the Batmans. You guys game? Want to do the Batmans? I'll watch the Batmans. <sighs> Come on. 
<laughs> Come on. I'm just thinking about watching the Joel Schumacher one. Maybe I'll stop making fun I watch of it like- if I understand it better. <laughs> I'll stop talking like this. Like Christian Bale ordering pizza. Well, even, even I'm like an extra large, please. Even, even uh, Ben Affleck sort of did that too with his Batman. I'll have pineapple on it. That was like I yeah that that was like a voice modulator. It was it was really weird. I don't know. Mm. And they're making another bat. I'm like so sick of how many Batman universes. I don't there know. Are. I feel like I might watch the new one because that, uh, Robin's got some sass and he's he's oh, saying fuck. Oh no, the no, not the not the Titans one. The one oh. with um the one where Alec Baldwin was cast and then he dropped out. Oh, like, as the hours Joker. Later. Yeah, he was in, then he was out. I don't know. Oh, yeah, no. they ain't and, they're, stop. and they're, they're doing making the Batman's. <laughs> yeah, and DC is also doing a ba- Batman solo movie that yeah. possibly might not have Ben Affleck in it. They're going to find yeah. another Batman and are just like getting whiplash from all these different Batman u- I universes. Just, I have. I guess I would just like for Ben Affleck to stop being in the Batmans. I, I think he's in rehab now. I think he needs to like get his shit well, straight. Well, yeah, they're probably going to get. Well, are they going to get a new Batmans? I think they need a new Batmans. Can we have a black? I want a black Batman's. We're talking. We're, we're, do you know when you, oh when you we're, we're talking like the two valets from exactly? Yeah, you know who needs to be a Batman's. Donald Glover. He needs to be the new Batman's. He was I a little teeny I would tiny Batman. So much. <laughs> Could you imagine a short Batman's? He show up with his little duck butt. I got this, bitches. I got it. I got this, motherfuckers. Mm. I would love that so much. I would love that, and then I would say Joker. Let's say Rami Malek Joker. Donald Glover, Batman's. Yep. Ooh, mm-hmm. wait, hold on. Catwoman, Ruth Nega. Catman, Bat, Catwoman, Newt, Ruth Nega. Mm-hmm, from Preacher. Hello, <laughs> holler. Lex Luthor, is he in Batman's? That's Superman. Okay. Yeah. All right. Who's, Jesse who's Eisenberg the, plays Who's him. the other bad guy in the Batman's? The Penguin? Penguin. Um, I'm going to say Penguin is going to be a woman this time in my casting. Sure. And it's going to be um, Zendaya. Yep, that's her <laughs> penguin. That's my girl. She's gonna a show woman up. and a woman of color. Those fanboys are gonna explode. I, you know, I'm trying to make it happen. I'm trying to make people <laughs> explode all over the world, or just talk. No, them listen, into it. Yeah. listen. The the penguin in um the Gotham TV show. I like him a lot. For me, is the definitive. I like him so much. He's so kill kill die die. I'm in my third episode. I'm getting into it. The pilot was rough for me, but. <laughs> was it? It was really rough. I was having a hard time with not Gordon, but his partner. I wanted to stab him in the face. And I love oh, that Harvey, actor. Yeah. I love him so much. And But I was like, what happened to you? What are you doing? Yeah. Uh, he's distracting as shit. He but gets I, toned down a bit in the I later I feel season, like somebody so. talked to his ass and went, okay, girl, yeah. stop. But the yeah. little kid who's playing uh, Little Wayne, <laughs> little I, Wayne. Love, I love Little Wayne. <laughs> He's that amazing. kid's acting his dick off. I love me some sassy uh, Alfred. He's like... I. That's also like my favorite He's Alfred. just like neck rolling Alfred. He goes, you little motherfucker. I love these two together. Although Michael Caine is a close second. Okay, well, yeah, nobody Alfred, can, yeah. no one can go past the master. I get it. But I'm like enjoying it. I really am. I like a little cat, cat girl, little cat girl, little cat woman. She's cool. She's sassy. And then I see all these indie actors that I love. Like Lily Taylor is in this last episode, you know, with the nurse ratchet with the gun kind of weirdo. And then uh, Wally's in it. I, I just some of these actors, I'm like, he's in it. He's in it. He's in it. I'm into it. I'm going to I'm going to watch all 27 seasons of this thing. <laughs> So did you what what other ch- for you it was music too right I mean it wasn't just a couple of films well but like for you like- yeah well I mean I I grew up on the you know the 
primarily it was classical, just because. You're I, funny because we'll be in the car and he'll like he'll, he'll know exactly who it is. That's a great skill, by the way. Well, I mean, you know, because just you know, being in you know piano and orchestra and all that kind of stuff. But um, I it really it will it really was like that '90s, you know, early 2000s hip hop <clears throat> that changed the way. Like, like you would say, like for like Annie Hall changed the way you actually looked at the world. Right. It was you know that underground hip hop that came out that was coming out, and then some of that going back to that not not necessarily into like the boom bap days, um, but like like the Wu Tang and and stuff coming out of the East Coast. Yeah. You know, and then the indie stuff that was coming out that really really changed the way I looked at the world. How were you getting your music? I mean, it wasn't on mainstream stream radio out here because it was scaring no, the shit out of people. Um, like, my buddies were into it. Like, you know, I, I reconnected with some of my high school buddies and that they were all, we were, we, you know, that's what we did. I had a, an apartment in Venice and we'd all hang out, smoke blunts, drink 40s and listen to hip hop, you know, play video games. And then, you know, we'd go to and it was the same thing about like like you would you would see a, a director and you would fo- or an actor and you'd follow that rabbit hole yeah you know i would somebody would be featured on a on a track of of an mc that i liked and then i would look up that person's album and go down that rabbit hole and then you you know the different labels and all that and kind you of followed stuff. the women too there was some women women rappers you were into there was like a lot of uh I mean, like we'll be listening to his his CD collection is insane. It's like well, the only the only women rappers I know of were like Bahamadia, and I, I don't know of that many other ones. Yeah, okay. Um, I, I was misremembering that then. But you were like, once we got the new truck, he was like loading up his uh, his iPhone with all of his music, and we get in the car, and I'm like, it's 1992 yeah. in Los Angeles, everyone. <laughs> Would you like to get yeah, some I, crack cocaine? I put in, you know, the chronic <laughs> and the chronic too. Yes. And I was listening to that. I kind of dug down. I just don't want to be like that snow white woman with like a mom haircut riding around with people thinking she thinks she's bad. She thinks she's, I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to misrepresent things. I yeah. love that music, but I, it kind of like makes my skin crawl when I see certain things happen in cars with people bumping music and I'm like, yeah. well, I mean, that's the thing, but it's like, it's a little, it's a little different. Well, I, I look at it different because I'm not. I guess like the only the closest mainstream. Well, I guess Dre was main, is mainstream, but even Dre's not mainstream. He's cla- he's classic now. Yes, you know. But like the only sort of well, even Eminem's classic now when you yes. think about it. But the old, the closest to the mainstream I ever got was stuff like that. Because you you listen to a lot like of nobody nobody bumps like LP or Aesop or even Idea even Atmosphere or Brother Ali nobody bumps that shit yeah so you have to be a hip hop head back in the day to know who that is we found your posters in the garage and we're gonna hang those in the house they're very cool we already have like the the nineties heroes in the uh, the TV room right now so that's pretty cool I have to say uh, growing up. Because I'm the old on the show. I actually don't think of myself as an old person. I think it's a state of mind. But it, just, just the fact that I've been on the earth longer than you guys. It was like when I was a kid, you saw the weirdest shit on TV. And I have to say something that was it was, not, it was life-changing and it was disturbing. All those claymation Christmas movies, you know, like the Island of Misfit Toys, you know, Santa Claus is coming to town. Those kind of fucked me up a little bit. <laughs> and I had nightmares and we wet the bed. And then the first time I saw The Wizard of Oz and I actually saw uh, The Wicked Witch, 
I hid behind the sofa. I had my kind of, you know, Empire Strikes Back moment that you had. I was just like, this bitch is green. And she's on a broom. And this is Halloween come to life. Voice. And she had yeah. that that kind of Kansas kind of accent. You and your little dog, too. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> and there was a lady that in, lived at the end of the street who looked just like this bitch. And that kind of freaked me out. And then there was stuff like All in the Family and Good Times and the Jeffersons and all that stuff that made me aware of politics, where I was getting politics with my entertainment. Mm-hmm. And I would see my dad get pissed off. We weren't allowed to watch black people on television. If so, if the and my favorite group, I had this huge crush on Michael Jackson, and he would make us turn the TV. And I would secretly watch a Soul Train in my room, and we couldn't watch anything of those shows. So it drew me to, me to it more. I wanted to see Sanford and Son, and wanted to see these shows. So I would go to my friend's house because her parents were never home, and we would watch these shows as they would come up, you know, in prime time sometimes. So I could see what these shows were about. Chico and the Man, things like that. So that was kind of a, you know, it, it, politics crept into mod. It crept, it crept into a lot of stuff. It kept in, crept into the Smothers Brothers. They're famously political. Because we had, like, the Vietnam War going on, and we had Nixon, you know, running amok. And so if I was reminded of how, like, you're going, does, does everything have to have this in it? And I mentioned <laughs> you last night in the Preacher podcast. I was just thinking about, you know, if you were here, you'd be like, Dude, but they did it in a funny way. But it was so uh, he was such an unpopular president, and everything was just going sideways. And it was very obvious that Nixon had broken the law; that it was creeping into all the storytelling, and just about everything was political. It was showing up in cartoons. It was showing up on like Looney Tunes on Saturday mornings. I was just like that era. I think you just grew up as a child of that. It influenced maybe the way I do think about art now. You know, maybe if I didn't have a steady diet of that as a kid, it would be more jarring to me. Like with you, it's like I'm aware of it. You're just like, why do I need this in my shit, man? I don't need this. Whereas I grew up with just things being so politicized for about a decade that I was like, I think that's why I'm I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Right. I mean, yeah. I mean, listen, I, tot- I totally agree. I mean, again, I'm I'm totally fine with with you know things having politics in it it was just that one thing with oranges and the new black i was just like really no no no, no. i totally get and i don't want to cast you yeah. as like oh my god i'm so over politics Blah. i mean i know you care and i know that you're tuned in and blah 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 I, and i don't mean blah 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 i just i get it i'm like hyper aware of it now I'm like yeah. oh wow they're just dropping it into everything and if it's not done well like even with mr robot season three i wish sam had kind of stayed away from it but, you know, they kind of, they went to there and it kind of, I didn't particularly care for it. I don't think we needed it. I don't think the series needs to, like, embrace what's going on with Trump to be an awesome series. Um, That's fair. So, you know, I kind of go back and forth. But I, I was just, as I was making this list for the podcast, I was like, oh, yeah, I grew up with this, you know. I had my Count Chocula you know, in my, my pole milk, in my red dye number six, whatever, number three, M&M's. And I had Nixon and then cartoons all mixed together, you know. So probably why I'm like, oh, uh-huh. uh, what else is on your list? What other groundbreaking stuff? Oh, uh, let's see. Um, this is uh, actually not a movie. Um, it's a musical. Mm-hmm. Um, so a little bit of backstory when I was in high school, 
Oh God, I sound so old. When I was in high school, um, uh, basically, I shut went, up. <laughs> <laughs> I went to this like magnet art school called the Governor's School for the Arts, um, and they have um, you know like different departments for like different art forms. I was in the instrumental department, right? So I was doing. I was playing in orchestra, I was playing in like chamber ensembles, I was doing lessons every week, theory, all that stuff. And every once in a while we had this thing called a cross where basically one of the departments from the school would put on a performance and the rest of the school would come and watch it as a sort of way to like sort of open up our like worldview, you know, that sort of thing, get get us exposed to new things. And I remember... Um, we were doing, there's going to be like a musical theater department cross. And I remember being like, not too jazzed about it because I was not, I was, you know, I was a freshman in high school. I didn't particularly want to go see a musical. Um, mostly because I, I'd never had any experience, you know, watching musical theater. The closest thing I had was like the 2003 Peter Pan with Kathy Rigby. Like I had that on VHS. Oh wow! And I would, and I would watch it constantly. Um, but that didn't to me that didn't register as like stage musical theater. To me that was just kind of like a movie shot differently. Mm. Uh, <laughs> but so yeah, so and they were they were doing um, Jekyll and Hyde the musical. Again, I had no idea what to expect. So I, we were in the theater. The show started, and by the end of it, I was I felt completely completely different and just like transformed and it's like it's so cliche to say that but i don't think so it i always point to that show as the reason why i love musical theater today wow um like i don't i'm not exactly sure what it was but i don't remember seeing a lot of it i think i was in this like weird catatonic state where Everything was happening at the same time, and I was just completely overwhelmed, sensory overload. I was loving it so much. And, like, I would listen to that. That soundtrack was the only thing I listened to for, like, six months. Wow. Like, it was insane. And then I started getting into other musicals. Like, after that one, I got into Les Mis, and then I got into Phantom. And then I started actually playing in real musicals, like, in community theater. So I got more exposed to that stuff. And then I finally got into Hamilton when that came out. Well, not what, like an, a year after that came out because I'm late on everything. Me too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, and I got a chance to see it uh, recently, um, not in the same theater in this in the same city. Um, this past March, it was it was um, Virginia Musical Theater was putting on a production of Jekyll and Hyde, and it was one weekend before my spring break. Was that going to stop me? Hell no. So what I did was I drove down for that one one weekend. So I got there Friday, stayed there the whole day Saturday, went to, the, went to see the show Saturday night, drove back Sunday morning in time for class on Monday. And then the next week, I did that same drive again for spring break. And that sort of sums up my my... I guess, dedication to that show. Because, I mean, like, especially in, in like, my town, it's not very, like, art-centered. The t- the town next to us very much is. And I did not know when would be, when would my next chance would be to see that show again live. And it was such a weird, like, catharsis watching it um, in a live setting like that again. Because that's cool, it was, like, though. I mean, that's just really, like, I, I almost took that, little, I took that little journey in my head with you. 
yeah <laughs> well yeah it was it was cathartic in the way that i was relating how that that show sort of like inspired the way i wrote music inspired the way how i thought about certain things and it was just real really i i guess it's transformational i guess um and then the last you shouldn't thing on be ashamed list, of that though i mean you shouldn't write that off oh, I'm honestly not. I'm you not. shouldn't i'm not i'm totally not yeah okay cool all right <laughs> Um, but yeah, my, my last thing on my list, a little bit out of left field. We talked about it a little bit. Um, Teen Wolf. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I love that show. Um, I really did. Well, the, the first two or three episodes that I could see that weren't a blur when I was trying <laughs> to speed watch it. Never try to speed watch a show that you are interested in. It's the worst. But yeah. Um, what, what yeah, about this... it? Like what, how did, were, were you, how are you, how did you come to it? How are you aware of it? And what was like your first the first did it take the first episode like walk me through all of that because i'm interested to know how you got turned on to the show sure well um i was i i like recently seen like dylan o'brien in the maze runner and i remember really loving that film and really loving i was i probably had a crush on him and didn't realize it at the time uh, <laughs> um but I was interested in seeing like what else he done because I because I was like I swear I've seen him something else but I can't place it, and then there was this um, like I found the show Teen Wolf, and everyone was like laughing at me for bringing it up actually, um, because it was very much seen the, apart from the fact that it was on like MTV of all channels, um, it was very much seen as something like sixteen year old teenage girls would watch you know I guess. Um, and I've I've never really been one to listen to that sort of stuff. Like yeah. if I like it, I like it. Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter. Um, also, around that time, it was like my junior year of high school. I had real problems, especially that year, with anxiety and therefore like like insomnia. I had like really bad insomnia, and so I started watching like Teen Wolf when I couldn't sleep. So I would get through like four to six episodes in a night and they're all like, they're just like 40 minutes long. But, um, it sort of began like it, it started being like a nightly thing where if I couldn't sleep, I would just like look up illegally on my phone, um, some Teen Wolf episodes (laughs) and I'd watch a couple of, a couple of episodes. And that by the time I knew it, I had like caught up with the show and like season five was was about to come on like that summer, um, and like looking back on it now, watching that show and the time I watched at the point in my life that I was watching it, it like really sort of I don't know how to say this. Um, I developed a pretty close connection with that show. Um, and like the characters, like watching the show at the time felt very comforting. Mm. Um, cause it was something like I could take my mind off of and be invested in and laugh at, you know? Um, and specifically when, um, huge spoiler ahead, I'll give you like a couple of seconds to, to sign off or skip ahead. But when Allison died, mm. um, I think that's when it kind of hit me that I was, I was sort of maybe unhealthily manifesting these characters into my life to the point where they felt like real people to me. And I remember being so upset by that death because it felt like someone in my life had died. Yeah. Um, and so, 
And especially when the show ended, that was really tough for me. Right. Um, because it was sort of saying got goodbye, especially to like, you know, that chapter of my life. And like looking back, I mean, mentally I am better. So that's good. Um, and I don't know if, if that sort of changed my life, but it, it was definitely something that I'll always look back on in that specific light. Yeah. Yeah. I've done that too. I've had an unhealthy obsession with certain shows where maybe I got too much into it that I had to go, whoa, back up, you know, come on. Mm-hmm. I think it probably was Buffy the Vampire Slayer because that show, I got really invested in it. And then when the people on the show just stopped caring about it, I was like, what the fuck's happening? Like nobody's showing up for work on the screen. Was <laughs> I remember being, and then I had friends who worked on it out here and I was coming out to visit them. This is where I moved here. And I was like, what the fuck's happening on the show? And he's like, nobody wants to do it anymore. Everybody's just dragging themselves around set. I'm like, no shit. You know, I'm like tuning in every week and everybody's like, yeah, there's vampires coming out of the hell mouth. Let's go and stab them. You know, and I was like, oh fuck, you know, because I was so into the show. And when that, that I remember having a moment of like, I think I'm way too invested in the show because I was really fucking pissed off. And I remember mm-hmm. going to an after party with him for Angel and confronting drunkenly, nice, but drunkenly, Allison Hannigan, you know, who played, uh, played Willow. I'm like, what the fuck happened? She goes, yeah, I know. Like, I tried. I'm like, you were the only one who like seemed to care what you do it to us. She goes, it's going to be okay. I'm like, no, it's really not. Kind of embarrassed myself, but it was, we were all drunk, so hopefully she will never remember that. I don't know. Uh, it was at the Formosa. Yeah. Uh, it was dark. Uh, hopefully she didn't even see my face, whatever. But yeah, and that was one of those shows that's just like impacted me. And well, for me, it was like Twin Peaks happened, and after Twin Peaks, all of these other shows were allowed to happen on TV. Twin yeah. Peaks happened because it was so fucking strange. You got Buffy the Vampire Slayer. It totally changed what happened on TV for me and for mm-hmm. a, a lot of people. We got Wonder Falls. We got a bunch of stuff that happened on TV that was just kind of impactful. Oh, before we go further, I just realized that Martin, Martin Scorsese, by the way, did not direct The Godfather. I would have listened to this later, and I would have been like, motherfucker. I misspeak like a lot on the show because I don't do a ton of prep. It's obvious. So I'll be listening <laughs> to something, and I'll say like the wrong season or somebody's wrong last name or a wrong thing. I know in my mind, Francis Ford Coppola actually directed The Godfather. I said Martin Scorsese, but I did get into his films as a result of watching The Godfather and trying to figure out how to put the horse head to bed. So I just want to correct myself there before anybody goes, bitch, Francis Ford Coppola. I know, again, I just call, I call myself before it was over. just want to say that. Uh, we were in a good flow, and then I fucked it up. I felt the kind of the same way about Teen, uh, Teen Wolf as well. I liked that show. It was hypnotic for me. I think I came there... For the talent of Tyler Posey, he kind of drew me in. There was something about him. And then Grumpy Cat. I can't remember his actual actor name, but I loved um, the guy. Grumpy Cat? Grumpy Cat. We called him Grumpy Cat all the time. He called himself Grumpy oh, Cat. Oh, um, Tyler Hecklin? Yes. Derek? Loved yeah. Tyler, Tyler Hecklin. Loved Derek. <laughs> and like, I just loved him because he was just so cute and just so like... He was like the, the, the dark-haired older one, right? He was. Like the older... He was on... He yeah. Was, who sort of stood around the set like, why I'm on the show. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he was going to be like a baseball player. And he ended up... Here's connections, all my degrees of whatever. He ended up... Joe Mazzallo, who was in Jurassic Park, who was in The Pacific with Rami Malek, who was recently in Bohemian Rhapsody with Rami Malek. He directed his own film called Undrafted. By the way, it's a lovely little baseball film, and it's based on oh, yeah. uh, the real true story of his brother 
who had played in the minor leagues forever, and it was the day that he finally got shut out of the draft. And it's the day that they had to play this this just r- random game, and Tyler Hecklin is on the team. And, mm. and he is awesome in it because I got yeah. to see the spark of the talent that he had mm-hmm. in that little movie that I hope – more people see it's a gem yeah go and rent yeah his 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 character derek has also like one of the best like arcs in that show as well he does i liked i kind of i came for tyler and ended up kind of staying for derek and as much as i liked styles um i kind of just was more focused on what was happening with with derek usually and then the twins i was into the twins i like the twins oh i love i love the yeah the carver twins i love them they were great um well, the the other thing I wanted to say about that show was I think the the reason why it was like hitting me on like multiple levels as well was like that show like really deals with like well two things mostly was it really deals with like the concept of like found family mm. like um, like Isaac who had like an abusive father and like the father ends up getting killed and he sort of finds this new family with like Scott and the pack and everything. Yeah. And like, I really related to that because that's what I was sort of doing with the show. Again, right. uh, probably unhealthily as well. I don't know. But um, and, and again, I'm the same way. I think I, I think we're drawn to stories like this even now. And I always have been my entire life are found families. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe because I was, felt out of balance with my own family and and always felt out of balance with friends really didn't know how to make friends necessarily it was kind of awkward at it bad at it whatever too intense too weird too sensitive these are all the things i was accused of and i'm sure i was guilty of them but like i was always looking for that acceptance on screen so why i liked buffy why i would think i was drawn to teen wolf same thing like why i was drawn drawn to these stories now snowfall this found family this this family in the hood where people are coming together yeah they're slanging drugs but people are getting their hustle on and it's how all these people are kind of being brought together by this this drug and this need to like win this war down in south america and it's kind of all of these stories always pull me in I'm always drawn mm-hmm. to that. And drawn, same thing with Mr. Robot. That's a found family that got, you know, started as a little unit and now it's being all broken apart, you know. That's always kind of the hard part to watch. I was I was sad yeah. when uh when Penny Dreadful ended. I know. That was a found was like, family oh, as well too, man. wasn't it? Yeah, and and just yeah. you know, just like the and the sad way it ended. You know, I felt like I w- lost a friend and I was walking away f- from the funeral. Dude, I was John Clare at that grave. You know, all by myself. I was very upset. Yeah. yeah. I was I was really feeling that when Parks and Rec ended. Oh, yeah? I remember bawling at, like, the finale episode. I had yeah. to go back because I got to where I was watching it and I was really into it and work got in the way. I was actually on a film or something. And everybody was like, oh, my God, did you sit? And, like, I totally think I missed a big part of television history by not yeah. continuing to watch it. So we have to go back. <laughs> You've never seen yeah. it. No, I, I saw the, the I, I saw the first season or something like that. I, I think we watched the first season yeah. together, yeah. Yeah. But Found it's Families great. as well. Like, that, yeah, that wacky group of people. And then I feel that way about Preacher with Tulip and Jesse and Cassidy. Those three, like, I'm like, oh, my God, yeah, and they kind of all love each other, and, yeah, I'm kind of always drawn to those stories. I think we all are. I mean, The Americans, yeah. when that ended, the too. The Americans, oh, man, I felt. You know. That got, that made a list of worst fandoms. I was, like, offended that it was, you know, Doctor Who fans and the Americans, some of the worst fandoms out there. I'm like, what are you talking about? Hmm. We're going to do a podcast about fandoms. 
We're going to try not to piss anybody off because <laughs> I've gotten death threats over that shit before. Uh, but yeah, I just there's all I think I think a lot of people come to those stories. I think we are we're told we're sold this kind of weird marketing scheme that American families are supposed to be perfect and they are not. Um, yeah. We're holding ourselves or trying to hold ourselves to a standard that literally doesn't exist. And I think that's yeah. why we're all drawn to these stories of found families as well. Yeah, well, the the other thing I wanted to say about Team Wolf as well mm. was that one thing, the other thing that really sort of, I guess, impacted me was how the show sort of deals with mental illness. Mm. And is like, again, just like hitting the nail. Um, but the show, like, does an unusually good job handling things like PTSD and um, panic attacks. The, the, here's what happened. So, like I said, I was dealing with a lot, like, of anxiety and uh, during that time and all that stuff. And there's this episode in, in Teen Wolf where, you know, Styles gets a panic attack and the show sort of, that episode sort of revolves around that. Don't know if you remember this, Lisa. Um, and, you know, like Scott has to kind of take him into the bathroom and he has oh, to yeah. calm him down and all that stuff. And I remember like a couple of days after watching that episode, I had a panic attack of my own and I, like, vividly remember, like, replaying that scene in my head. One, because I knew what was happening. Because the show did so well in explaining what it what it is and, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. I was replaying that scene in my head. I was like, okay, that that's it's, it's the same thing. It's fine. And I was also using that coping method that was in that episode, in that scene, to calm myself down. Wow. And, I, and like, I, I tell the story all the time because it, it really is, like super impactful like if it wasn't for like that episode i probably thought i'd be dying or something you know right that i mean like for me that just sort of that I is guess, that's crazy it. that's awesome i mean that's pretty yeah. awesome for a show to have that kind of impact again not for nothing i you know people say it's silly to sit around and watch tv shows and take all this stuff so seriously i mean it's kind of I think it's important and inherent that we 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 witness and experience these stories for exactly what mm-hmm. why you what you just said. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Um, yeah. I was a latchkey kid. I, you know, my parents worked. My dad was on the road all the time. My mom, you know, had to make a living. We were left on our own, and I was raised on television. I don't think it's a bad thing. You know, we we weren't naive enough to believe that you know someone was trying to teach us a moral code even if they were we were like dude we know people don't act like that but you know i remember like i drew a lot of lessons from i grew up watching the waltons you know and you had this kind of idealized way that people behave and then you would go out in the street and say see the way people really behaved and that's when like those shows that came along like all in the family like the jeffersons like good times and whatever that said but it's really not like that if you're a person of color uh, it's not that if you're a woman, it's not like that if you're different, if you're gay. I mean, there was uh, impactful episodes that talk about topics that could be ripped from the headlines right now back then. So it was like growing up, you, know, you would I would learn like this is how you do this thing because I saw it on television. You know, people would, oh, so-and-so did this. and th- Maybe this will work for me, you know. Then it, also there was the idiots in my neighborhood who watched Rasslin and thought it was real and would crack their back occasionally. By jumping off the roof onto a trampoline. So I just consider that sort of like Darwin's law. It's like, okay, <laughs> fine. What, did you have any, is there something else like that you went, Ian, that you went, that's dope. Anything recently that you've watched that you went, oh shit. Um, well, I mean, 
there's still there. Uh, if, if we watch a good series, there's still, you know, it, it, you know, it still has that same impact. I think. Yeah. You know, all the ones that we watch. I mean, like, you know, Penny Dreadful, or or, um, but then there's like just good things like this, like The Sinner. We just saw that one. Yeah. It was really good. Yeah. Um, Mr. Robot. I have to, I do have to say though you mentioned it um Twin Peaks. Mm. You know, I saw I saw the first one with you. And the first time the I original just, the original 90s ri- series. Yeah, yeah. I, I you know, it didn't really get it all that much, but then we watched it again I think before the the reboot came out. And then you went through the reboot without me cuz you, you know, you felt betrayed too, by the way. Oh, but then I watched it again <laughs> afterwards, and I think it, it was it was weird. Is like I was like at the end of my pot smoking days, or I dabbled in back again, mm-hmm. and I remember watching um, that that uh, you know that God of Light episode. You got a light. Got a light. Yeah. Yeah. The the almost silent one with the nuclear yeah. bomb going yeah. off. Stoned. Yeah. Oh, dude. And. From that, that from that point is like everything afterwards, just became this amazing visual like dessert. Yeah, it was like holy shit, and I, I you know I had no idea what was going on, but just watching it was like holy fuck, this is this is amazing what I'm seeing on screen. I have to hand it to Lynch. He you know? he he did it twenty years apart. You know he did it in the ninety one, and then he came back and did it in two thousand seventeen, two thousand eighteen, and just blew my mind. Yeah, it's like, it's like he, he's not afraid to take a chance. He, it, like the 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 story in itself is is just wild, and you have to pay attention. It's the story of good and evil, man. But, it's just that's all it is. If you just look at it that way, it's but, weird. Yeah. It's performance art. It's all kinds of fucked up stuff. But it's just but the story visually what he did that. because he is an artist yeah. was just. It yeah. was really amazing. I think, you, you, again, we said this before. It, to understand Lance, you have to understand his art. If you go and look at his art, you'll get what his filmmaking is. I don't want to cut us off. Do you have a lot more to say, Andre? Because I really just need to know about Deadpool. No, that was that was pretty, <laughs> pretty much it. We've been goading. If you've been listening to the podcast in order and not skipping around since we brought Andre on, and he's been on with us. I've been. He got us into MCU, the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe. I dabbled, didn't know what it was about. Just loved, you know, Thor Ragnarok. And I was like, well, fine. And he was like, though, there's a whole bunch of stuff. You should watch them. And then we watched them backwards. He didn't tell us to do that. We did that because <laughs> that's how my mind works. And uh, I wouldn't recommend it, but you know, I, I'm still able to piece it together. We're gonna do um, a whole uh, podcast on the Captain Marvel trilogy, the Captain Captain America. Captain Captain America, not Captain Marvel. See, such a an idiot at this. Whatever, because I know Captain Marvel is, you know, that chick. Um, so I've been goading you to watch Deadpool, mm-hmm. and you were told by friends that you don't like funny things because <laughs> you're dead inside or that. something. I don't know what they said to you. Uh, you're too dramatic and, and love to create very dramatic things and. But I know that you're a whimsical person because I've gotten to know you somewhat. And I was like, of course he's going to love this. Or he's going to love to hate it. And then I thought, no, he's just going to hate it. And then you watched it. And we just want a small report. It doesn't have to be a big thing. And you can still hate it. I just want to know what you thought of it. 
No, well, first of all, I did not hate it. Okay, that's I love the hell out of it. Oh, good. And I, I feel like I'm, I'm gonna explain myself a little bit. Okay. The, the number one fear of that I was having going into the film was that, you know how, like DC movies take themselves too seriously. What are you talking about? <laughs> I was afraid this movie was going to do the exact opposite. Oh. I'm not a big fan of like parody and satire and that's all there is. I'm not a big fan of that. Yeah. There were definitely elements of that totally in that film. But the film like surprised me with how it managed to to balance that that sort of tongue-in-cheek humor and satire with like deep emotional heavy stuff. And it was that balance that that made me really love it, and it it, it made me feel like like Wade and like Deadpool was they were a real person. Yeah. They weren't just like this you know one note guy there to make tongue in cheek jokes about the political climate or something. You right, know what I mean? Exactly. Like I don't know. It just it just really it just really blew me away. Like the the opening credits with like <laughs> directed by like an idiot or something yeah, like that. Exactly. Like that, that was really fun. That was really funny. Um, and I did definitely laugh during the film. There were, there were great moments. Um, and I can't wait to see the second one. I haven't seen the second one yet. You are gonna, gonna, I hope that you love Deadpool because it just, it just amps it up even more. I was surprised at how much I fell in love with Wade and, and how I was in his struggle and I hurt for him. Yeah. And how his whole sense of humor is a deflection of his pain. That's all yeah. it is. It's like the um, it's so terrible. I want to make jokes, so kind of thing. Um, who was his? What was the name of his love interest? Um, I can't remember her name. Oops. Well, her, um, that actress. Um, she's actually in Gotham. Yeah, is she? Yeah, you know yeah, I think she's, she's also in Firefly. We got to look this up. That's right. Yeah, that's the only one. She's in Firefly. That's what we. Yeah, that's where she came from originally. Firefly, the the. If you are a. True culty nerd, nerd, nerdy McNerd, nerd. Uh, you would know. So hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Come on, Vanessa. No, it's um, no, not Vanessa. It's more. Well, that was, the name of, that was the name of the character, I think. I can't pronounce her last name. Is Morena? Yeah. Backer. Backerin. Backerin. She's Vanessa. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. That's yes. her. She was in Serenity as well, which is the um, offshoot. Of Firefly, and we've known her for a long time, and she's awesome, and I love her so much. Yeah, yeah, she's in she's in Gotham. She's she's in it for a long time. Like really? she's still in the show. Yeah, I think she comes in season two. I think. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, there's so many people popping up into Gotham. I'm like, what? Yeah, she's yeah. Leslie Tompkins on Gotham. There you go. Yep. She's been there. Yep. She's been on the series for three years. Seventy-five episodes. Shit. So yep. I'll have to, I'll have to watch that. And one. she's great. Yeah. She's also she's on great. the Flash. Get past the pilot. The yeah. pilot is I, I, just garbage. Yeah. I, 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 I hated. The I pilot hated the pilot. Times. I was stayed for Andre. I'm like, okay. Normally, if I wasn't having to answer to someone, I'd be like, fuck this. But <laughs> I was like, okay. He's he loves it so much. He's really you. Wait till you get to season three. Just the earnestness in Andre's voice. I'm like, okay, okay. <laughs> So now I'm into I mean, episode. You might, you might hate it. I don't no, no, know. no. I'm into episode three, and I'm like, okay, okay. It gets visually better. They put a little bit more money into it. By you know, they don't spend a whole lot of money on pilots, especially for like. Yeah, it's shows. A, it's it's definitely that show where like you can tell like 
they had the pilot as a separate thing, and the studio was like, okay, and then Let's like it go. got immediately yeah. better. The the yeah. the pilot is trash. So second is like, oh, this is cool, and then third is like, and then this third episode going, oh, okay, I see what he's talking about. There's something here. That's why we were talking about Sons of Anarchy. Like we didn't really know anything about Charlie Hunnam, you know, white blonde guy. And we saw him in Papillon, and I was like, oh, my God, I, this guy has chops. I'm going to go back and watch Sons of Anarchy, which you and I can, have never been able to get into. We're going to give that one a shot. So it's going to be Gotham, and then we're going to do Sons of Anarchy. Yeah. All right. We have to start yeah. it tonight. Start it tonight. And then Parks and Recs. We have so much homework to do. Totally. But, yeah, I love, I love Deadpool. I can't I wait for you to – that makes me, that makes me happy because <laughs> I, you know – it's just it was nothing like it. Like I liked Guardians, I liked Deadpool, and again, I guess I had just all mashed up uh, my perceived dislike of MCU with. I guess I was just thinking Christian Bale was yelling at that sound guy, just going. That's what that was. And I <laughs> he did, wasn't a sound guy. I got my. It wasn't a sound guy. He was actually what a gaffer. I think it was someone in the camera department. Was he? Maybe. May I could be wrong. But I don't think it was sound department. Well, the sound guy certainly leaked the fucking audio. Somebody was rolling. Somebody was rolling on something. Could have been the camera department who released that audio. Is that, um, was that Nolan? It was Nolan. See, and I love Nolan. That's, that's funny because Nolan uses the same sound guy. Oh. Gotta hit that bitch up at the bar and say, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> uh, whatever he's apologized everybody's fine I don't care it's not a scandal he said he was sorry Christian was having a bad day I don't dislike Christian there's times when I love stuff that he's in I just find his Batman to be very distracting and silly but I'm going to revisit the Batmans because I'm finding that I'm wrong about a lot of stuff I'm re-watching a lot of things with fresh eyes I also don't drink as much as I used to so watching things <laughs> sober is a whole different experience so I'm not like sober, as you say. I'm like, I haven't given up like drinking, but would cut way back. And so now I'm like, oh, this guy is blue. It's just kind of like a reawakening, like a little baby bird going, oh, I'm alive again. So Yeah, but also you're not walking around the world just like completely inebriated either. So. No, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not a bar fly or anything. No. But I was just, I did, I did tend to consume things and go, that movie sucked. And when I drink a little bit too much, everything sucks. That's why, hence I gave it up. That's why it's a depressant for me, for most people, I guess. I'm not preaching at you. You guys do whatever you want to. Just for me, I can actually absorb and, and love. And, and also, t- I watch so much stuff, too, that time passes and I forget how something went. Because I'm rereading, like, I reread mm-hmm. Camus. I reread uh, um, a bunch of books. The Ugly American. I'm rereading Fight Club. I'm on kind of a book tear because... You read Wicked the other day. I read Wicked. I was, wow, that was very intense and enjoyable. I liked that book. I was like, okay. So I'm remembering these things differently and absorbing things differently. They always say if you want to write a book, you should read a bunch of books. If you want to make a film, you should watch a bunch of films. So I'm trying to read, getting back into reading more because I'm seeing how other people are executing their work and what they're doing. So, yeah. But I I want to go back and, and, and watch the Batmans completely sober. (laughs) Batman's cool. So, um, word we we've all talked about our stuff. If you guys have something that changed your life, a song, a poem, a series, TV show, book, whatever, let us know. Um, yeah. How can they let us know, Andre? 
they can let us know. Uh, that was a really great segue, by the way. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> um, if you guys would like to follow us on our social media platforms, we are on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Ashland Podcast. Um, you can email us if you want to get us get into contact with us specifically to talk about something. Um, you can email us at ashlandpodcast at gmail dot com, and you can listen to us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play Music, our website, and TuneIn Radio. Awesome! I forgot we're on all those things. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yep. I have to update the website. I don't think the last episode is up on ashlandpodcast.com. Sorry about that, everybody. I will update these things. Uh, you guys have a wonderful uh, Labor Day weekend, or whenever you listen to this and it's past. I hope you had a great, wonderful <laughs> Labor Day weekend. <laughs> uh, we're at the end of our garage clean, so nobody has to hear about that anymore. It's very, it's great. We've <laughs> given away tons of stuff. It's been awesome. Ian has his garage back. It's super wonderful. And when Andre ever visits out here, he will enjoy the garage with us. We'll just sit out there in our chairs with the garage flipped up, and we'll just uh, wave at hippies as they walk by. Our fallout garage. Our fallout garage. It is very fallout for out there. It's the Red Rocket, uh, your Red Rocket sanctuary. Just We just need a dog meat. We have a dog meat. We have a little squashed one, little tiny, itty-bitty pocket-sized dog meat. All right, you guys take care of yourself. Get a lot of sleep. You know, hydrate. You know, don't take too many Advils. It's bad for your liver. If you do, take it on a full stomach. Just want you know, don't want to eat a hole in your stomach. And just hold yourself. Stay out of the sun. Don't get melanoma. And I love you guys. Peace. 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 <laughs>